The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Amen. Come to the waters. Come to the waters. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. O oh Lord, our God, now as we have heard your word read, fill us with your spirit. Soften our hearts that we may delight in your presence, sharpen our minds, that we may have discernment in your truth, shape our wills, that we may desire your ways, through Christ Jesus our Lord, amen. Please be seated. In the aftermath of the Supreme Court ruling um, Roe versus Wade, and, and the Supreme Court ruling on striking down legalized abortion, at least at the national level, uh, it's been about a week or so. And what have we seen? What have you seen? You've probably seen people coming out of the woodwork almost, people that you know, people that you love. Even people that may call themselves Christians that are coming out and are opposed to it, are opposed to the Supreme Court ruling against abortion, and are for what they would say is a woman's right to choose, which means they would be pro-abortion. And it is surprising because some of the people that are coming out, at least for me, I was very surprised to see several people that I know and love that come out and say it is a woman's right to choose, which is uh, strikes fear in my heart. And it's a great sadness. Uh, but why is that going on? Why is it, why is this happening? Well, it, it should come as a, as a big surprise with all the other things going on in our world, all the recent things going on in the last few months in the midst of this, COVID pandemic, think of all the riots and violence that we've seen. Think of all the, 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 the hardship that this country and even in this world has endured. The, the, with, with, uh, with the social injustice, Black Lives Matter, and even and, and a good thing like Black Lives, of course Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. But somebody to take something that was that that's, that there's nothing wrong with saying Black Lives Matter, but somebody, an organization, to take that to the extreme, the fundamental extreme, to make it a bad thing. All this is going on in our society. We see all this social injustice. We wonder if this is just a result of the social distancing, the isolation that went on with the, went on with the pandemic. 
and all the mandates that went on with the pandemic. People are just getting so frustrated with everything that's going on. Should it be so surprising that people would people that you know and love would come out and be basically for abortion or a woman's right to choose? What is happening? What is happening? Well, what many people and many theologians think is happening is that there, this is a, a failure in churches for discipleship. What is happening? Well, apparently the world, including people in the church, are being discipled by the world. They're being discipled by their favorite podcast. They're being discipled by their bloggers, by their Instagram influencers. They're being discipled by news networks. Oh, that's a big one. That's a big one. Regardless of what news network you may care to watch, that is a big influencer. People are being discipled by that. People are being discipled by their social media feed, news feed. That's where people are getting what they believe in, what they choose to believe in. It is an opinion. And they're buying into it and they're making it their own. They're making it their own. Um, according to theologian and author Glenn Packiam, uh, he says this. He says, it is a failure. Okay, it is a failure evident not in their disagreement, but their inability to think theologically about social issues and current events. See, have you done that? Do you try to do that in your daily life when you run across a, just an event, something that's going on in society, something that you don't understand or something that's happening that you're watching? Do you try to look at it biblically? Biblically, do you try to look at it theologically? And what happens to many people is they don't. The first thing they do is they come to a conclusion based on what they're hearing and who they're listening to. They're be, again, they're being discipled by the world. They're being discipled by the world. And if they try to look at it theologically or biblically, are they, are they into Scripture? Are they a part of a, a good church that is preaching the Bible? More times than not, they're not. More times than not, you see it on TV, you may see a pastor that's very political in what he presents politically. They, they, in, in this country, we see it all the time. We see that the political parties have demonized each other. And anything that the other party says is wrong. In fact, it's evil. They, they put it on a, a religious plane almost. So who is right? Who's right? What is right? Well, for a true believer, a true believer of Jesus Christ, we are called to what? Seek first the kingdom of God and what he says is right and his righteousness. That's what we're called to do as a true believer. That's what we are called to do whenever we run across the abortion issue, or any issue in society, do you try to do that? Do you seek God? Think about that for just a second. Think about the things that are going on in your life. 
Think about the many decisions that you have to make, big decisions or small decisions. It doesn't matter. Do you inquire of the Lord? Do you go to the Lord in prayer and inquire from him as to what to do and where to go? Do you seek out his word in the Bible? Do you? Or is it just what you think? It's just, it's just how you feel. Driven by impulse, driven by anger. What's happening is that our the godly people are not being discipled by God's word. And even if they know God's word, they're being discipled by the world. They're being discipled by the world. We must have a desire, a longing, a thirst for righteousness, for what is right, but not what is right in our opinion, and not what is right in the opinion of the world, but what is right in God's eyes. His righteousness. We as Christians, we, for the most part, will try to do that until we run across a very difficult issue. And then we try to explain why we're doing what we're doing. Then we try to explain why we're leaning towards sin and leaning against the gospel. Instead of just submitting to what is right in the eyes of God. Every one of us battles this. Every one of us is, is battling being discipled by the world. We must have a longing to, a, a thirst as the Bible puts it, for righteousness. A thirst for righteousness but it's right in God's eyes. And so what is it? What is right in God's eyes? Who is right? Well, we know that. We know that Jesus is our answer. We know that Jesus is everything to us. Jesus is right in God's eyes. Jesus is God. Jesus is right. And we rejoice in knowing that he draws us to him. He calls out to us to come to him. The Lord Jesus Christ will satisfy our thirst for righteousness. Come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Waters, plural. Everyone is singular. Everyone, that means you. You come to the waters. That means there's an abundance, abundance. The Lord Jesus Christ causes. Our part is easy. Our part is easy. All we have to do is respond to that calling. Respond. Respond to him. Now, don't misunderstand me when I talk about this response because we're going to get into this. You are required to respond to that calling. But don't misunderstand that our salvation is all about God. It is by the grace of God through the life and work of Christ, bestowed on us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. It is by 
God. It is all about God. It's all about Christ. And, and sometimes some of us are reformed theologians, so to speak. We, we, we know this. We say, hey, it's the grace. Grace that saves us. We're driven by grace. But then we get too far to the extreme that we say to ourselves, but if they're not showing it, if they're not living their lives according to what God calls us, the way God calls us to live, I don't know if he's saved or not, or I don't know if she's saved or not. You are leaning toward works righteousness. If you're not careful, you have to be careful. It is all about Christ. It is he who saves us. It is he who does the work on our behalf. Salvation is the work of God, first and foremost, and that our fingerprints don't even come to play in, in none of this until God calls you who he has chosen. He calls out to you to come, to come to him. See, even our faith to respond is given to us by God, Ephesians 2. It's a gift from God. It is a desire. It is the desire of God for you to respond. We are now talking on the God level, on the God level, because it's so, it could be very, complicated. We can get confused in all this. And knowing that our salvation is all about the work of Christ, is that by the grace of God, through the work of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by God, God, but throughout the entire Bible, we see God doing what? Calling out to us. Come, come, come. He, that's what we see. So what does that mean? That means we're required to respond. We are required to Do you remember the story? You remember Adam and Eve, the, the story of the garden. We've heard it many times. Well, when Adam sins, falls from grace, what does he do after he sins? After he sins, what does he do? He goes out and what? Hides. He goes out and hides from God. Hides from God? Like, we're going to hide from Hey, I want you to think of a place we can go hide from God. Where can we go? Hurry, hurry. Under the bed? Under the bed? No, not under the bed. Maybe in a, a casino or something? No, no. Where can you go to hide from God? It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous question, but that's, isn't that what Adam does? So what does God do after the fall? After he betrays God? What is... God do? God calls out to him. He calls out to Adam. He says, Adam, he calls him by name. Where are you? Where are you? And it's not like God didn't know what where Adam was. He did. And it's not like God didn't know what Adam did. He did. But he calls out to him. Adam. Now put your name there, Manny, whatever. Put your name there. When God saved you, he called out to you. He called out to you. 
And, and that's that's the response. We are called to respond. We are called to respond to God's calling. We've just concluded a sermon series from the book of First Corinthians. And our next big sermon series that'll be coming up is on is on Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. But before we get to that point, I'd like to spend a few Sundays talking about God's calling. It's everywhere in Scripture. He's calling. He's always coming. Come, calling out to you. And. and Remember, this is on the God level. Trying to comprehend it, it can, can be difficult. We know that it's all about him. He saves us. So why is he calling us? He's not going to save us. He knows he's going to save. Why is he calling us? Well, you're not puppets. You're not a puppet. Part of what he wants you to do is respond to his calling. You're active. You're active in this. You can't say, well, I'm, you know, I know I'm saved. I'm not going to do nothing. No. You are to respond to this calling. And, and basically, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at some of these callings that God has in Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at evangelism. Where to, where, how God calls us. God starts, continues, and ends. Evangelism is all about God. We're going to look at evangelism and how God calls us because we are called to share the gospel message with others. In fact, you are a vital part of how the gospel message is spread throughout the world. And it starts with you. You respond to the call. And then you're called to share in this wonderful message of eternal salvation. So we'll look, we're going to look at some of these passages that, that where God calls out, calls us, calls out to them. That's what the passage today is about. Our passage this morning from the prophet Isaiah, some 800 years before Christ was born, is a text where we see God's calling. See, it's it is in Christ. God, it is in Christ where God calls us to come, come to Christ, come and allow our thirst to be satisfied in his righteousness, in his righteousness. For all who thirst for, for righteousness, we are called to come to Jesus who provides the living water of the Holy Spirit that wells up to eternal life. If we turn to our text, we immediately see that the Lord, again, calls out to us, calls out to us. Now, I got to stop for just a second and just say, why would he call out to us? Why should he even care about us? We're all what? Sinners. How many times did I bite my Lord's hand when he was reaching out to me to pull me to him, to call me to him? Why does he call us? Why does he care? 
Why should he call us? Why does he do? Why does he save us? That theologian uh, R.C. Sproul says that there is no more difficult theological question to deal with than that question right there. How do you deal with that? Right, think about your life. Why in the world did he call you? Well, the quick answer is he loves you. And, and really, that's the only answer you can, that can satisfy. But why does he call everybody? He only calls a chosen few. Why not everybody? It's a God question. It's a God question. Because he's the justifier of the unjust. Everyone else who he doesn't call will be perfectly judged. Which would terrify any of us if we, if we stood before the Lord and we go and, and he says, okay, Manny, you're on your own merits here. What should I do with you? Let me open the book. Okay, let me see what you did. That'll be a book a lot bigger than this. If we stand on our own merits, he's going to condemn us. But we stand on the merits of Christ. And to understand why God would, would it, the passage today starts off with come. Why he would even call us is beyond us. It, it, it's, it's just God's wisdom. It's what he chose to do in his lovingness. So, the, so, the, so it starts off by God calling us. He calling us to come. And when we look at the passage, we look at the even in verse 1, we see all the imperatives, okay? All the imperatives about come, 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 come to the waters. Come and buy. Come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk. And in all this, in all this calling, all these imperatives that are being listed, there is a sense, a sense of urgency. Why would there be a sense of urgency? That God is calling you, and he's calling you, and he's calling you like there's a sense of urgency. Hey, man, come, 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 come. You can read it in the passage. There is a sense of urgency. Why? Well, your soul depends on it. It's urgent. Your eternal soul depends on you. Hearing this call and responding to it. And again, we're on the God level here because we're told that God has chosen us. The problem is that we don't know who he's chosen. And when you're first called, when you first responded, you didn't really know if you were chosen. I remember having a conversation with my dad. And I was telling him all about Christ and like, I don't believe that he loved us. I was telling him about how I, I, I love him. But I told my dad I was terrified because I thought that it would all the, the emotion and what I was going through, I thought it would go away, that it would end. And I was terrified that it would end. So there's a sense of urgency when we look at this passage. We see that 
God is calling us. God is calling us to come to him. And, and, and we say, once we start reading this passage, it's very interesting because it's saying buy, like purchase, buy. But then it says we don't need any money. So let's take a look at it. Now we we see that this, this sweeping invitation is a call out to those who are thirsty. Those who are thirsty for what? We talked about righteousness. Basically, we're thirsty for him. See, we, in the fall, we were separated from God. In, in, in creation, we were created to be a part of God. And, and he was a, a part of us. And that was ripped apart. And now we are on our own. And we long for him. We're longing. We're always looking. We're always looking for him. We're looking. We're longing for this paradise that's out there somewhere because we were booted out of that paradise. And somehow in our souls, we rem there's a remembrance there. And we're called. We have this longing. We have this thirst for God because we're empty. We're empty. We are thirsting for God. God and his righteousness that brings us eternal life. How do we know all this? How do we know that this, the, what, what the, our passage is talking about is about our thirst for God and eternity? Well, Jesus in the New Testament talks about that. Jesus in the New Testament sheds light on all this. When he's talking to the Samaritan woman in verse four of chapter 4 of John, Jesus tells her, that everyone who thirsts, uh, everyone who drinks, now she's at the well, right? She's drinking, she went there to pour water, and Jesus goes, pour me a cup. And she goes, what? You don't have anything for me to pour water in. How can you want water? So Jesus tells her, anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him or her will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him or her will become in her or him a spring of water welling up, welling up for eternal life. Now, when we're, when we're young and we have all this bravado, you know, we have all this, like, want to conquer the world. We don't think about eternal life, do we? Not much. We're really kind of focused on what's going on. But we hear messages like this. So what would this message mean for someone who's trying to conquer the world? To just survive that day, to be the best at what they can be. What does all this mean? What does it mean? Well, you know what it means? Even if we're young, what it means is that you're doomed. You're doomed. You're never going to conquer another. You're not going to even conquer your life. You're not going to conquer anything. You're doomed. And God begins this calling to us out of his love. And Jesus is telling me, telling us that whoever drinks of the water that he can give will have a spring of water welling up for eternal life. Now, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus is speaking. Jesus is obviously speaking spiritual language. He's speaking about God. He's speaking about God, the Holy Spirit. More specifically, 
in verse in, in uh, chapter seven of John. He tells us that. Now, during a festival, one of the big feasts in Jerusalem, Jesus, on the, on the last day of the big feast, Jesus stands up and, and cries out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart or her heart flows rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Now, Jesus is talking about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believe in Christ will receive river. And from you, see, if you receive Christ as your Savior, you have rivers of living water flowing out of you. Are you getting the picture as to why you are called to share the gospel? Are you getting the picture as to why? The Old Testament and the New Testament say how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good tidings and good news, as Paul puts it. So when you share the gospel message, it will fall on deaf ears many a times. But there will be time, time, a time and time when the deaf ears will come to life. And hear what you're saying. And, and, and be able to feel the living water of the Holy Spirit coming out of you. You have to believe that that is real. What Jesus is talking about it is real. It is true. If you're dead, if you're going to share the gospel, you're dead telling them about Jesus. What do you think you're going to react? How do you think you're going to react to that? Like, I don't think you even believe what you're saying. Are you telling me about it? See, you are commissioned to, to share the gospel by God and so by Christ himself. Come to the waters. Come to the waters. As theologian J. Uh, Alec Martius says uh, that the, the highlight, the highlight, uh, when it says this, when it, when it says come to the waters, the highlight is the, the existence of a need. So he's calling us and he's saying, come to the waters. There is a, that is just over, what it's stating is there an ex, there's an existence to something we need, something you need. And plural waters means that there's adequate provision to satisfy you, to come to it, to come to it, come to the waters. He or she who has no money is being called to come. But money, what do you mean money? Oh, money, I mean money to purchase your eternal soul. You have enough money for that? No, but it's saying no, you come and purchase, come and buy, come and buy. It's like, it's using financial language, so to speak. Buy, purchase, buy, purchase. That means it's valuable and it means it costs something. But you're being told as the purchaser, it's not going to cost you nothing. But buy, buy. That reminded me of a story uh, uh, when Gay, my youngest middle son, would go to Mexico. Uh, he'd go with Sandra to Mexico over there somewhere in uh, in, in, in Mexico. Um, 
there in, in the little uh, town or in, in the subdivision that uh, that her aunt and, and grandma lived, there was a, just right there, there was a store. And you'd go and buy stuff for the neighborhood. I mean, anybody could go. Well, Gay, when he was eight big, on his own, would go into that store and get paletas and sodas and everything else, and they would give it to him. He just can't take it. Take a little kid getting whatever he wanted, all the candies and sodas and all the things he thought were good. He got them. And did he bother to pay for them? No, he just grabbed shit off. And at the end of the week, guess who they came to? They came to his mommy. Mommy paid for it. That, that's the that's the that's what we're seeing here. Things that cost something, valuable stuff that cost something that you have to purchase has been paid for. And we know who that is, and we know who paid for this. Come and eat. This is a purchase that we again come and eat, come and eat, come and buy, come buy and eat, uh, which which means that it costs something. There is a price. Come buy wine and milk. These are these are things that they're substantial. That they're riches. That are riches. It's more than water. It's rich. The rich things of life. Without money and without price, the highlight is the richness of the blessings that God has given us, the provisions that God has given us. But the question remains. How can we buy anything without money? And that's the point. That's the point of the passage. That it has been paid for. That, and, and the uh, prophet Isaiah alludes to who pays for it. The suffering servant. The Holy One of Israel, he says. That's who pays for it. 800 years before the suffering servant comes to life birth comes to birth the verbiage is buying it that it costs something and it is about a feast it is talking about a great feast spiritual language in verses two and three uh three uh two and three why do we need to Spend your money. It asks the question, why do you need to spend your money on that which is not bread? Now, that's call, that's a calling out to us saying, why do you waste your time? Why do you waste even your money, your, your financial money on, on junk food? Why do you waste your time? Why do you waste your efforts? Why do you buy into the nonsense of the world? That's not true bread. Why don't you spend your time consuming true bread, the bread of life? No, we'd rather watch the news that's been sensationalized and buy into the nonsense of the junk food that they're trying to sell you. It's not true bread. God calls us to listen, to listen diligently and eat the food that delights us rich food when we are in christ when we are walking with the lord many of us think we need to live in this just just 
shameful poverty. And there may be a reason for some of that, okay? But but we're, we're, God is telling us this is, this is lavish. This is rich food. This is richness. You are blessed abundantly. And it's not based on your bank account. At least not the bank account here. We are called to feed on the eternal bread of life who we know to be Jesus Christ, who is here and now, who is here, who has come to save us. He is the source of our righteousness, the source of our truth. It is clear that we are called to come to Christ because it verse, because what it says in verse 5, he is the suffering servant. He is the one who paid the price. He is the Holy One of Israel. And not only has he paid our ransom, he has paid the price for us to enter this heavenly banquet. Now, can we think of, uh, can we can we do that? Can we make the jump to, by the power of the Holy Spirit to think on the heavenly realm, to think on the God scale? Because that's what this is about. To know that God pays it all, that God does it all for our salvation. But he's calling you to respond. He calls you. He's calling you to respond. Back in 19, Aiden will appreciate this. Back in 1969, 1969, long before some of you were born, there was a rock group called the Rolling Stones that had a, a hit song, so millions, called I Can't Get No Satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. Some of y'all remember it, right? Oh, man, that, that is like a theological statement there because that's true. We can't get no satisfaction, not on our own. Not on our own. The only satisfaction that we can get is through, is by coming to the living water. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we come to the living water through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what it says, what God's truth says yesterday, today, and forevermore is true. It's true today. When we talk about that, uh, that we're being discipled by the world. Uh, I was talking to a young man the other day, and, and he, he was wearing a T-shirt of a rap singer whose name was, uh, I hope I get this right, <laughs> Young Boy MBA. Young Boy MBA. Never broke again. Oh, how a pair, how, how, yeah, this is good stuff. You don't, uh, <laughs> you have to, it's your job to know. I, uh, I didn't know who that was. I hate to say that. I've got to get with it. Yeah, he had, I mean, I guess he had some hits not too long ago, a few years ago. I don't know if he's recent or not. He's a rapper. Oh, really? Wow. Okay, I'm up with it. Yes. But look, the, the reason I bring it up, I mean, I love the, the young man that, the, I love him, the young man that was wearing the t-shirt. But it's a reminder to us. It is a reminder to us that where is he getting his discipleship? Where? The world, his peers, the popular, what sounds good. His lyrics might be great. I didn't bother to listen to a song, I'm sorry. But... But that it's a reminder to us that, 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 that we're being evangelized by the world. And it's a reminder to us that we're called to what? 
evangelize the world. You, as a servant of God, you, as a true believer of Jesus Christ, you were called to evangelize the world by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You were called to share Jesus with others. And not because... And not because, okay, I, I, you know, it's just the proper thing to do. It sounds good. It's up this person's really hurting because you love him, because you know it's true, because it's like a gold that you want to share with others, that you don't want them to pass by. You don't want them to overlook this. That is the reminder. That is what we're called to do. We are called to evangelize, to evangelize. Uh, but we do wholeheartedly evangelize, wholeheartedly share the gospel. Uh, it's like what the the great missionary, you remember the great missionary William Carey said? You know, William Carey, he was a great missionary. He helped spread the gospel to the nation of, of India, to the whole country, shared the gospel with India. Now, those guys over there worship animals. There's thousands of gods over there. Now, while you might barbecue a cow, that will worship a cow. He went throughout that country evangelizing, sharing the gospel message. And he's got a quote that you might want to remember when you go out there. He says, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. So that's your call to share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to challenge people, to go to this passage and read it to them about coming through the water. Have you heard God's calling? Have you heard it? <coughs> and if so, have you answered his calling? Answer it. You are required to answer it. Are you dying of thirst? For salvation's sake, then come to the living water that only Christ can give us. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Father, we do. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.